0: begin by reflecting a little bit on uh, two forms of of dukkha, two forms of suffering, which uh, sometimes go together. Um, having a difficult time in life and having a difficult time in practice. Now, the emphasis on Dukkha, on on suffering, uh, as as the starting point of our inner work, is um, typical of the teaching of uh, the Buddha, and uh, I personally always found it a a, a very practical and direct way to uh, invite us to inner work. Um how might might ask ourselves how could we define dukkha uh, suffering, suffering in a practical way maybe like this say life uh is a, a, an incessant alternating of pleasant unpleasant neutral experiences like um a never turning an ever-turning wheel of this kind of these three kinds of experiences. Huh? This is a fact. This is the, the the first fact. And then we have the second fact, which is our deeply ingrained. Um, way of uh, reacting through attachment for what is pleasant, aversion for what is unpleasant, indifference, confusion, or uh, distraction for what is neutral. And this is the second fact. So we have these two facts, the ever-turning wheel of, of, of experiences uh, and our way of relating to these experiences. Uh, Now, can we say that both facts are Dukkha, that both facts represent Dukkha? Yes, they do. But uh, the Buddha teaches that the second fact our reactivity our compulsive reactivity in front of the ever turning wheel of pleasant unpleasant neutral experiences our compulsive reactivity is much more fundamental than the uh what we call the wheel is much more fundamental uh, uh and crucial um for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that um, attachment, aversion, and confusion are so deep and all-pervading, in other words, our way of relating to the will, that the Buddha did not hesitate to define these three afflictions as the ultimate cause of suffering. So, our, 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 our way of relating to, to, to life uh, experiences is uh, a, a much deeper and much more fundamental aspect of Dukkha. But there is also uh, a, a second reason why um, our um, way of reacting is uh, fundamental. And this reason is that we can work on our reaction, we can work on our reactivity, we can work to uh, reduce uh, it, to get free from it, whereas mostly we do not have much control over uh, the flow of experiences. So, there is bad news, and good news at the same time. Uh, uh, our our afflictions are very profound, are very all-pervading, are the cause, uh, the ultimate cause for suffering. On the one hand, but on the other hand, they are workable. Um, I've been practicing the Dharma for a number of years, and. Um, um, I keep being impressed by the clarity of this vision. I haven't got used yet to it. Um, needless to say, uh, to the extent that, three, that the three afflictions get, get worked upon and reduced, our relationship with the pleasant and pleasant and neutral changes more and more. So much so that uh, uh, it becomes um, very, very different from the way it used to be at the beginning of our path. Now, at this point, if you don't mind, <laughs> I would like... Uh, the other night I just mentioned it, the famous teaching uh, of the two arrows. This time I would like to quote only the uh, the core part of it, because... Um, it is uh, such an important teaching. So, first we we, we are told that the uh, unenlightened being um, um, experiences pleasant and unpleasant and neutral feeling, and the enlightened being experiences uh, the same feelings. However, um, when the unenlightened um, being encounters unpleasant feelings, he grieves, laments, wails, beats his chest, and is distraught and distracted therein. And he experiences two kinds of feeling, namely in the body and in the mind. It is as if an archer, having fired one arrow into a certain man, were then to fire a second arrow. The man would experience pain from both arrows. Such is the unenlightened being. He he experiences two kinds of pain. And then comes the, the, the core passage. In experiencing an unpleasant feeling, he feels aversion. Displeased over that unpleasant feeling, latent... Tendencies to aversion are accumulated. Confronted with unpleasant feeling, he seeks delight in sense pleasures. Why so? Because the unenlightened being knows of no other way, like, say, the practice, out of unpleasant feeling than to seek the distraction of sense pleasures. Delighting thus, in sense pleasures, latent tendencies to attachment are accumulated. So, the other night we were talking about karma and intention. Now, this is a teaching, a very clear and authoritative teaching, about how much we strengthen negative intentions every time we feed our reactivity. Uh, Now this is the law of karma, of karma, which has to be understood right here and now in this visible life, as the scriptures say. Uh, It's not very useful to speculate about past life and future life. The important thing is to understand uh, the law of intentions and the law of karma. Now, if we if we uh, if we practice and if we um, put energy into practice, more and more again we find this teaching so crucial because we see more and more very clearly and very convincingly its truth. This accumulation is not a belief; we can see it. Is an you know addictions? What are they? Accumulation of negative intentions and 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 the momentum of it. So uh, is the truth uh, we touch it more and more through the practice. And there's also uh, 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 um, an uncomfortable truth which pushes us into spiritual action. Now, how do we work with this fundamental reactivity of ours? As we pointed out already a number of times in this retreat, we need to give more and more energy to our awareness. And this way, our reactivity gets weakened. Ken MacLeod puts it beautifully, I think. Reactive patterns have been in place for a long time. Much of life is the product of their operation. To dismantle these patterns, we must take apart our lives. Attention works to dismantle patterns the way the energy of the sun melts ice. The directed energy of attention dissolves the structure of patterns, releasing the energy locked in them. Now, this is the core of this practice. Now, I think at this point it's important to remember that Dharma practice, in order to be effective, in order to be, um, in order to to function, needs um, conditions, favorable conditions. Uh, this, This is also part of the teachings. This is also obvious that we need conditions. We 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 know all too well that just wanting to be aware is not enough. We need support, we need conditions. And certainly, one central uh, condition is deepening our understanding of the practice. And you know, the, the, the it's possible that there are um, strenuous practitioners who have very little understanding of the practice. Um, I'm afraid this is happening uh, more and more in, uh, in the West and uh, my understanding is that it, this has to do with our frantic style of life uh, we want things done quickly and, uh, and so we, we decide that um, we don't have time to deepen our understanding we have time to sit and that's it and uh, so sometimes we have the um, um, the erudite scholar uh, who knows everything about the Dharma but no time to sit and at other times we have the very ignorant sitter <laughs> uh, it's just a fact uh, it's not a, an accusation, it's not an insult. Uh, if we never reflect on the practice, uh, if we just, uh, you know, uh, have put our timer and uh, uh, sit and then that's it, and, uh, yeah, we feel more relaxed, fine, but there is more to it. Now, talking about an important aspect of understanding the practice, uh, we all may, might have noticed that if uh, something um, unpleasant or something painful happens to um, a friend, uh, maybe we can help uh, our friend, maybe we, we, we can have a um, real words of wisdom for our friend. And then maybe sometime later uh, something similar happens to us and there is no more wisdom available. We are just frozen in in anger and fear. and uh, um. So we might say that uh, we tend to the, 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 the actually, that we might say that the whole problem is that we take difficulties um, personally, and that's the whole problem that we take them personally. Now, taking them personally means doubling, doubling the suffering and and uh, and the confusion. And, um, okay, but we might wonder, isn't it natural to, to take difficulties personally? After all, it's happened to me. I don't think it's natural. It's habitual or habituated, but it's conditioned. That's different from, from, from natural. As a matter of fact, a better understanding of the practice shows us that we should learn to take difficulties impersonally, or more impersonally. And this is not uh, a word game. For those of you who are more technically oriented, we might say that we should take uh, difficulties uh, against a background of anatta, of uh, non-self But then if you go if you want to go back to a more domestic language uh, we can talk about taking them impersonally and we can immediately add that this has nothing to do with indifference, aloofness um, um, denial, uh, uh, pretending and so on and so forth. actually it is pure, It is pure Dharma. Remember, the other night we were talking about having a direct experience, uh, having actually an interest for a direct experience of whatever arises uh, within ourselves. We, we uh, uh, I think we, we said uh, an interest which has to become almost an instinct to be really uh, effective. So direct experience means as much as we can cutting through cutting through or dropping all the layers of thinking, comparing, judging and uh, all the rest of it. And we also said that this kind of crucial uh, direct experience, which is another way of talking about awareness, this this um, direct experience can only take place in the present time, in the moment, moment by moment. Other than that, it just cannot happen, forget it. Okay, a direct and present experience means, if you think of it, a more impersonal experience. More impersonal and more intimate at the same time. Say, if we, uh, as we said, stay in the moment, and we stay with each sensation, as much as we can, with each sensation, step by step, the uh, ego proliferation drops. So, we're having a more basic experience. And this sense is more impersonal. There is something basic, uh, uncomplicated, primordial. Uh, and at the same time, it is alive. It is true, and it, this is, in this sense, it's more intimate, so more impersonal, and more intimate. I think it's accurate, although I, I, you know, um, in 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 the way we commonly uh, talk, this may sound strange. Impersonal being connected with coldness and distance, and we are talking here about impersonal and intimacy as being connected. But as I said, I think it's accurate. I also think there is another important point in terms of understanding the practice. And understanding the practice you know, being an important condition in order to make the practice more and more effective, and in order to strengthen our motivation to practice. The piece of understanding I am thinking of has to do with uh, our sensitivity. So, we are highly sensitive, very vulnerable beings. If we weren't so sensitive, we would not be so extraordinarily inclined to suffering. And if we were not so sensitive, we would know We wouldn't. We would not know anything about so many levels of happiness, joy, peace. This all has to do with our sensitivity. Is this sensitivity uh, of ours a misfortune? You might say, "Why? Why are you asking this question?" Well, because sometimes. dharma literature um sound, yeah in reading dharma literature or it sounds like um, uh, sensitivity is um, um, some kind of a burden that we should get rid of in order to be uh uh perfectly equanimous but equanimity implies a lot of sensitivity. That's a misconception about equanimity. That you know, John Wayne is the archetype of equanimity. <laughs> not only it, it, it is not a misfortune, but sensitivity is a great asset. Is a great is a great. Um, Precious treasure that we have. Um, it is thanks to this sensitivity that we can uh, we can uh, affect, we can produce a, a, a deep a deep change in our lives. But again, we have to understand it. We can make a we can do a little experiment. We can ask uh, in any moment. What do I want? And always, inevitably, our answer, if it's a sincere answer, will have to do with happiness, peace, joy, love. I think it's like we we can uh, think of a universal choir of sentient beings just giving the same answer. So, this sensitivity means a hunger for happiness and peace and joy. Now, how do we respond to it? How do we respond to it? Well, we know it. More often than not, uh, we respond in strange and crooked ways and we end up uh, giving ourselves stones instead of bread. Uh, This is often the way we meet our hunger. Because the mental intoxicants, or our uh, ingrained reactivity, uh, cause of this, we, 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 we get off center and uh, how to say it, we, we, we respond in a totally uh, wrong way, in a counterproductive way. We want happiness and we give ourselves unhappiness. Uh, this is this is the, uh, the, uh, the human situation. Now this is exactly uh, the main reason why we practice. We want to dissolve more and more all the distortions, all the misperceptions, which, uh, because of 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 uh, uh, the um, intoxicants, um, hinder uh, this. Vibrant aspiration for true happiness to, to come to the surface. On the one hand, and on the other hand, we practice because we want to give the right answer to this aspiration. This aspiration is aspiration for happiness, and is there often is covered with fear, guilt, and all the rest of it. But the practice. Uh, uh, has this important effect to, to gradually, usually slowly, make room for this aspiration, uh, strongly to come to the foreground. This is number one. And number two, uh, the practice nourishes the capacity more and more to give the right answer to this sensitivity, to this, to this aspiration. Now, at the beginning of this talk, we mentioned difficulties in life, you know, having a difficult time, having troubles. Now, how do we usually take things like sudden adversities, sudden problems, you know, often we react as though someone had ripped off our happiness. This is the way we, we experience it, we perceive it. Uh, there was ease, there was comfort, and something happened, and it is as though uh, someone took away our, our uh, legitimate happiness and um, it's interesting to to, um, to listen to the way we talk uh, in these circumstances under these circumstances we say uh, things are not going the way they should go which means things are not going the way I like them to go uh, now things go the way they go things go their way. And um, so we can become upset and if as is often the case we keep reacting this way there is unfortunately a progressive disappointment a progressive um, hardening a progressive uh embitterment in people because of the building up because of the accumulation of of this uh, uh, reactivity it hardens up and hardens and hardens and it shows in the bodies in the faces Um This is a a conspicuous aspect of Dukkha. And how refreshing, instead, that famous statement by Martin Luther King, I refuse to become bitter. And he was in the midst of many difficulties. I refuse to become bitter. Or the Dalai Lama, when someone asked him, how do you feel about the Chinese? And he said, they already uh, have taken away my country. I don't want them to take away my mind. Now both, Martin Luther King and the Dalai Lama, have a practice. And that's the key. Prayer practice, meditation practice, Um, and practice is the key to deal uh, with the uh, difficulties, with um, difficulties in the right way. Uh, if we are practitioners, uh, we will try to use difficulties as an opportunity to deepen our practice. No. <laughs> we try. We try, but how many times does it take to learn the lesson? Innumerable. Innumerable. We know. Uh, uh, we know. Uh, as it goes, we do it once. We get some results. Um, we get momentarily excited about it. Uh, we forget. We start passionately reacting the same old way again. And then finally, one day we wake up, and uh, we try. We once again we, gi- we give it. We give it another try, and uh, a little bit better result. And off we scramble, forgetting and remembering, remembering and forgetting, and (laughs) slowly—wait, slowly—we learn because we can. We can, um, you know, we have that uh, small nagging voice inside, our faithful companion either in the foreground or in the background, either rampant or just whispering, but it's there. And uh, there's always something which is not right. And this has nothing to do whether we are by character optimistic or pessimistic. It's just uh, another piece of Dukkha, uh, an important one, which, which is there. And so uh, uh, if we see that we are so slow, that nagging voice can become very powerful uh, and, uh, and encourage us to, uh, to, to resign, basically, because it's, uh, it's intolerable that you are so slow, that you, you've been practicing for 20 years and this is what you have accomplished. <laughs> How much more dignified if you just resigned? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we are crazy. (coughs) (coughs) And we think we are not, of course. Um, An English monk, Ajan Munindo, In one of his talks, once said, uh, we should love frustration. I guess someone is thinking right now, the typical unrequited love. But, you know, um, there is a logic to this teaching. There is a deep logic to this teaching. Because, It takes a lot of frustrations plus practice for us to learn how to deal with difficulties. I don't know of other w- of other ways. Lots of frustrations and practice. Only frustrations is not enough. Again. The idea is to get a direct experience of frustration. We just just to uh, we can use a, a slightly different angle and say that the idea is, you know, not to move away from the frustration, not even an inch, not even an inch. Just just stay. Still, motionless, uh, awake in the midst of a frustration. Again, we are talking about really being aware, really making a direct experience of a frustration. Now, in this way, stripped from uh, the foam of proliferation, um, the naked and aching energy of frustration is not toxic anymore, because the toxic quality was all coming from the ego-centered proliferation. But if we are doing a direct experience in the moment, moment by moment, step by step, that proliferation is not active any longer, and so that energy is still aching, but is non toxic or less toxic. To the point that sometimes uh we we, we see that this energy is actually has some flexibility and uh, if we stay there, if we keep practicing, we see that the same energy which was, uh, you know, burning in in the frustration, or apparently was, uh, the energy was w- w- was burning. Apparently, uh, as a matter of fact, it, it was our our um, attachment which was burning. But anyhow, the same energy. Can become something more spacious, something, um, some kind of acceptance, you know. Just turning into something very different because of the work of awareness. Remember the the quote that we just read: uh, the, the the energy which is captive in our uh, uh, reactivity gets uh, uh, freed through awareness. And this is an experiential fact. And the more we touch it, the more motivated we are to practice. So, of course, we will not look for frustrations, but we'll try as best as we can to take advantage of them through the practice when they come. Uh, And yet, it can easily happen that life difficulties translate into practice difficulties. In other words, the more difficult life becomes, the more casual and distracted and away from the practice we go. Instead of doubling our practice. Now, this is one of the biggest traps in the past and I think we should um, be careful we should watch out because we, we you know we we are adding adding suffering we are multiplying suffering whereas we are having an opportunity to deepen our practice to deepen our life to deepen everything but it's slippery ground, and so we can end up uh, in this contradiction, in this um, doing the, the opposite of what is reasonable in a deep sense. Difficulty in life, strong practice, instead of difficulty in life, weak practice. Of course, it, tra- it, takes, it takes time. It takes training. But the, 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 the sooner we understand this important truth, and the better. Sooner or later, you know, we, we fall into this trap. Um, we might frequently fall into this trap, and. Uh, I think that what, what helps more provided we wake up at least for one moment. This is the precondition. So if we wake up at least for one second, what, what, what helps is relaxing into our pain, with compassionate awareness, if we do it, just once, it is such a blessing that we will not forget it. And it will become an important latent tendency for more of it.